your first round quick podcast. My name is Eric Dugan. And I'm Sandra Dugan. And we are two ordinary movie lovers just like you. We've been away for a while, but we're back for a Oscars mega draft. We're so excited to be back on the mic and ready to talk about this year's best films. The Oscars are coming up this Sunday. And to get ready for it, we invited a couple friends to draft all of our favorite Oscar movies. Uh, so myself, Eric Dugan. Sandra Dugan. Ryan Hoffmeyer. It's my friend Ryan joining us from the Denver area. And finally, Roberto Molina. Joining us back again from our last Oscar draft. Good to have all of you here. So what we're going to be doing today is drafting a team of five movies to win the most Oscars. And we're going to be doing a snake draft, uh, which we'll decide here in a moment, the order uh, with some dice rolls. But we're going to be picking from the various uh, movies that have all been nominated. Um, and again, we just want to have a team that will win the most Oscars. It's exciting. So we've been doing pretty good with our movie watching. Sandra and I are at, let's see, we have watched 31 of the 53 movies but we're now over three quarters of the total nominations. How have you guys been doing with your watching? I've seen 17 of the total nominees, which accounts for 58% <laughs> of the nominations. To be, to be fair, a lot of our percentage is coming from watching shorts. That'll rank up your score. That can definitely boost your numbers. Uh, what about you, Roberto? Looks like I'm at 20 watched, which is uh, 78 of the nominations, 65% of the nominations. Okay, so, nice. pretty, so pretty good. We always make sure that we watch all the Best Picture nominees. Finally got through those last week. And I think, Ryan, you've watched all of them so Yeah, far? we watched Coda last night. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Roberto? I've watched everything but King Richard. I still need to watch that one, but I have a week, so I will. I'll get that one out of the way. That one's hard to find now, isn't it? Because it's not streaming anymore. Is it not on HBO anymore? Not anymore. You have to rent it. Mm. Mm, that's how they get you. I should have watched it when it was on HBO like four, six months ago. The way HBO does it is really weird because they only have them up for like two or three weeks and then they take them down. 30 days. Yeah. That's crazy. For the new releases. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, figure out our order. So, Ryan, why don't you do the orders? We're going to roll two dice. Mr. Hoffmeyer. <laughs> Nine. Right. Nine. All right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Sandra. Six. Six. Sorry, math. <laughs> All right, I'm rolling for you, Roberto. Okay. We got seven. All right. And now for myself. Eight. So it's going to be Ryan, Eric, Roberto, then Sandra in the last spot. Okay, so then to kick things off, Ryan, what is your first pick? Well, I think there's only one number one pick nominated for 12 Oscars, The Power of the Dog. I've heard that you're brilliant. You're going to want to keep your distance and just off the horse. Anyhow, so you don't want conversation. You've been listening to the Panano and dancing, I guess. You dance? Probably not my favorite of the nominees, but think it's going to win the most. That has been the front runner for quite a while now, uh, especially for the top awards, uh, Best Director and Best Picture. I'm assuming you think that it's going to win both? I think it's going to win Best Director. I It seems like Coda is making, making its move for Best Picture. I feel better about the acting awards. Uh, I mean, it's got two in Supporting Actor. I don't think there's going to be a split between 
Cody Smith McPhee and Jesse Plemons. Yep. Cumberbatch has an inside track to beat. Should I? No, you can you can go and say it's to fine. beat Will Smith, but <laughs> we'll see. It is uh, a really great movie if you haven't watched it, and I think this is probably the. Well, it's definitely one of the most essential movies that you want to be caught up on if you're watching the Oscars, not only because it leads in total nominations, but it could win um, these awards. It also has all the, it has someone nominated in these uh, acting categories as well. So it's going to be getting a lot of airtime. Um, and it's a great movie. It's on Netflix. It's a thriller kind of Western. And personally, it was my favorite of the nominees. I really? think there's a lot of good uh, nominees this year. But what about you guys? I liked it a lot too. I think the my favorite thing about it was just the beautiful aesthetic that it was just, you know, the wide vistas and the beautiful score. Although the score can be a little unnerving if it's not your style, but I really liked the acting performances. Kirsten Dunst does a great job. She knocks it out of the park. And it's kind of a twist on that like unreliable narrator that we've seen as of late of like the drunken woman, but I think she makes it a little bit more relatable. So I really liked her. My prediction is that it's going to win a lot of the Below the Line awards, but not necessarily the acting nominations, but we'll see. I wish that Benedict Cumberbatch would win for Best Actor, because I think he makes no. more of a difference in the movie. I mean, Will Smith is fine I, in King Richard. You it, know how I feel, but I Garfield all the way. I think Will Smith is going to win. I think that's been like widely predicted. But if you haven't watched Tick, Tick, Boom, Garfield is so, so good. I just can't top it, in my in my opinion. I loved Power of the Dog. I've seen it twice now. And it's the kind of movie I think improves upon repeated watch. There's a lot going on. And I, the, very, the first time I watched it, I really wasn't sure where things were going. Um, so once I've seen it a second time through and kind of understanding where the plot was going to going ahead, I could really tease out some hints and some foreshadowing. And speaking of the score, I love Johnny Greenwood. I love everything he does. Shout out of to Radiohead. Of course you do. You're such a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and one more thing I wanted to bring up about uh, Power of the Dog is uh, justice for Bronco Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should watch it again, because I think I've heard that several times, that it gets better upon the second watch when you know what to expect. Because if you haven't watched it, it has a little bit of a twist. And if you see it coming, I could see how you could you know, pick up on some foreshadowing ahead of time. So definitely worth a second watch, I think. And we've mentioned a couple times now, but the score, this would be the kind of, this is the sleeper or upset pick for score from Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame. He is most famous score is probably There Will Be Blood. And he has a very specific style that is very haunting. Uh, yeah. Kind of horror movie like. It also has beautiful cinematography, another category you could pick up. It's actually filmed in New Zealand rather than uh, Montana, Montana where it's set. A um, controversial choice to, yeah. Sam, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> to Sam Elliott. Uh, <laughs> Sam Elliott of Stars Born Fame plays of the brother. Mustache fame. Yeah, of, of great mustache fame. He did not like this movie um, because it really... Demystifies the cowboy. I guess I don't really want to... It's another gay cowboy movie. Um, <laughs> and it's really about masculinity in the American West. I don't think that's a spoiler because you know coming into it that at least one of the characters is gay. Yeah. Anyway, I had no idea. <laughs> Seriously, I was I was like, oh. <laughs> One of the my favorite things about the the power of the dog narrative is that Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemings, who are partners, they're a couple, are nominated simultaneously for the same movie, which I think is so neat, and I love them both. So, looking forward to seeing them at the awards and on the red carpet. 
um, schmoozing with Penelope Cruz and Javier Barden, another nominated couple. So just a great year for love overall. Well, I think it was a good pick, Ryan. Pretty obvious uh, number one pick. Although now switching to my second pick, actually, I'm really happy about this chain of events because I think... I could I could bet like $100 what you're going to pick, and I, I don't think I'd be wrong. Well, I think the top two are very clear, and the other one is Dune. At nightfall, the spice harvesters land. The outsiders race against time to avoid the heat of the day. They ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. Um, and I think Dune is actually set to pick up more Oscars than Power of the Dog, even though it has uh, two fewer nominations. So it has 10 total, but my bet is that it really is going to sweep all of the uh, craft categories, specifically cinematography, editing, production design, score, sound, and visual effects. So picking up six Oscars, if everything goes as predicted, it's going to be quite a boost for my team. I think that's a good prediction. I don't think there's a chance that it picks up Best Picture because it's not nominated for Best Director and has no acting nominees. And it's kind of filling the slot of the blockbuster movie. Although, you know, ironically, you could go more blockbustery with the 10 nomination slots, but it's lined up to pick up all those other awards because they're going to want to recognize it. So I think it's a stellar pick. Cinematography. It was gorgeous. Film editing. King Richard could upset there. It recently picked up uh, award from the guild, uh, the editing guild. Production design also may be contentious, but um, it's it's great. Score, I think, is by far and away that's almost a near lock. You can't for, bit Hans Zimmer. And he very famously invented new instruments for this score. And then visual effects, I thought it was pretty stunning as well. Eric, I'm a little jealous you got the second pick because Dune was really first on my list, even though it didn't have the most nominations, because I do think it's going to sweep those technical categories. You don't think that they might suffer from Lord of the Rings syndrome and wait to give the the final chapter its mm. Oscars? I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that's a really good point, because this is the first half of two, at least, right? They clearly say at the end, uh, there's not really an ending to this movie. And I think that's why it isn't really getting best director and some of those top even nominations. And it, I don't think it's going to win Best Picture for the same reason. If somebody was going to be nominated acting-wise for this movie, who would it be? Other than Timothee, everyone else has fairly small roles. Yeah, it's very much a uh, ensemble cast production. I think that the second movie will probably be a little bit more ripe. If it lives up to the hype, then I could see it getting another Best Picture nominee, maybe Best Director. Maybe Zendaya will have like four lines in the next <laughs> one. That would be cool. Get supporting actress. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she could get, get her first Oscar there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like this movie. I have a personal attachment to Dune because when I was growing up, I used to play this video game that was based on the novel. And what style did you say was, Eric? So it was actually like a reskin of Command and Conquer red alert yeah so me and my brother would spend hours playing it and became familiar with the different houses etc and the sandworms and the spice collecting so has anybody read the book i actually did get through the book i needed the extra time when it was originally delayed because it is extremely long yeah and i think that this could be a candidate where it's much more enjoyable just to watch the movie than necessarily read the book 
which is fine, but it gets very dense. Completely understood how they had to break it up um, into multiple parts, but I'm really looking forward to the second half. Me too. It has the potential to be a really epic series, considering that it's so influential and influenced Star Wars and Star Trek. And at this point, Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors. I personally, I love Sicario. Arrival is his probably most heralded uh, movie. Uh, he just has a very s- slick style. Probably one of the, if not the sexiest movie of the year, too. What a studded <laughs> cast. Josh Brolin, you have Javier, Timothée, Oscar Isaac. Just a who's who of good-looking men. And, I mean, women, too. Although, many fewer of them. Oscar Isaac is a babe in this movie. He is a babe in this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll kick it over to you, Roberto. What is going to be your first pick? So, with my first pick, I'm going to go with West Side Story. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Interesting choice. All right. Make your case. What do you think it's going to win? Now we're kind of at the numbers game here. So we're at the point where the top two have 10 or more nominations have been picked. So West Side Story is tied for third most with seven nominations. I think the the one nomination that's a lock is Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't know if it's going to win a lot of others. But also at the same time, I'm not sure if there's a lot of other films on the list that are going to win multiple awards, at least that are obvious. Ryan, I know you're a big fan of West Side Story. I don't see it winning a lot of awards, but I mean, directed by Steven Spielberg, ever heard of him? Up and coming. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. I watched the original West Side Story probably about a week before the remake, and I just didn't realize how many of these songs I had been in my life and were part of this musical that I hadn't seen for 30 plus years. It's just a real fun movie. I'm not a big fan of the original West Side Story. I mean, the the musical, you know, noteworthy songs, and it's really fun musical. I just didn't really like the, we'll call it the casting choices of the original. The brown face. (laughs) Yeah. But I I did like this adaptation. I think it has a good shot at production design, too. It was just so beautiful. I think I noted a couple times when I was watching it with Eric that it was just the way that they chose the costumes specifically for both the jets and the sharks was just brilliant the way that it presents them as two distinct groups i thought that was really cool and i also really like the dance numbers i could see it picking up a couple awards um, because they're going to want to recognize it but i don't know if it'll it'll get any of the big ones one of those movies that's been having a kind of an underground support but it's definitely been just a victim of the long campaign It came out at the end of December, Christmas, right in the middle of the Omicron wave. So it didn't get a lot of uh, traction in theaters um, and quickly kind of faded. Um, And now it's most recently been available on Disney Plus and HBO Max. So finally, people get a chance to see it. But being a remake of a movie that already won Best Picture, even as well done as it is, I think it lacks maybe some of the freshness of the top contenders in the best picture race but i think it will be looked at favorably in history i think it's a really great update to a a movie that's you know kind of beloved in our culture even though it's aged maybe not aged well i think there's some really interesting things that they've done 
to modernize it in a way that it is more relatable. But also, you know, like Ryan mentioned, it's Steven Spielberg directing a musical. It's so well done. Just like there's camera movements in there that nobody else could even imagine doing. It was actually really delightful to watch. I, going into it, I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it. I hadn't seen the original movie in, I don't know, 20 years or something. But all those songs did stick with me. Like they were really <laughs> deep in my subconscious. I was like, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. So it was a, it was a fun movie to watch. And I love that they brought Rita Moreno back. Wink at the one good casting choice of the <laughs> old film. <laughs> I liked her a lot. She did a great job. And the fact they gave her a song, like, you know, is an important song, but gave it to her character in this movie, which really fit. How do we feel about the Ansel Elgort of it all? Like, is it going to sour the film for people? It soured it for me personally. I think he was a weaker part of the cast. But I guess your mileage may vary. I think that role just I, has to be a pretty dude. And I yeah. thought he did that pretty well. He is very tall. <laughs> All right. Then with that, Sandra, let's finish out the first round. What is going to be your pick? Well, I'm going to take the other movie that's tied for third most nominations, and that's Belfast. These boys are suffering. I don't think we've got till Easter. I don't think you and me have got the least either. So Belfast was probably one of my favorite films of the year. It did draw from Roma quite a bit in that it's another personal to the director, black and white movie that centers around a young family. But I love the fact that this movie cast a really great lead, I would guess, in the young, the youngest son. He's just phenomenal. And probably the two most attractive parents uh, in a movie ever. (laughs) It's such a good couple. And I also really loved the score of this movie, especially how it opens with an uplifting number. And it just, it's a good, feel good movie by the end of it, which we don't get a lot of these days. So Belfast was a movie I really enjoyed. So the nominations for Belfast are director, original screenplay, original song, uh, best picture, Best Sound, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. So your bet is that it just might pick up a few of those. I guess a Van Morrison original song, you never know. I don't think so, but I don't know of any that it's a lock to win, but I do think it's like the second or third most likely in a few categories. So if there's going to be any surprises, I could see Belfast being that surprise, if only so that they can recognize a movie that has been gaining steam all along through this Oscar season. And at one point... It was a lock for Best Picture. So it seems like it's got to pick up something. I would feel really disappointed if it didn't get recognized in any way. Yeah, for a while, it looked like maybe the possible contender against Power the Dog Mm -hmm. um, until the more recent rise of CODA in the discussion. But if it still has that kind of broad-based support with Best Picture specifically in the ranked choice voting, uh, it can lead to some interesting outcomes. Uh, So I think it still definitely has a shot. And you never can discount Judy Dench. I know that uh, we have a pretty good idea of who's going to win Best Supporting Actress, but it's Judy Dench, so you never know. I think it has a good shot of getting shut out. It could. I, I, it reminds me of, was it last year or the year before that, when everybody thought that uh, 1917 was going to sweep and then it got essentially nothing or maybe it got like one award? Yeah, I think you're right. That was a couple of years ago now, but everyone thought that maybe it would win Best Picture as the old war movie. That was a great movie, but yeah. So it could get shut out. 
I'm just playing my odds with this one in terms of number of nominations. Well, since it's a snake draft, you also get the next pick as well. So thinking about this, I could pick King Richard or Nightmare Alley, which have six and four nominations. But I think I'm going to go with Drive My Car. <laughs> Drive My Car is a Japanese film, and it is nominated in four categories, including international feature, director, best picture, and... Adapted screenplay. Adapted screenplay, thank you. And I think it is a pretty much a lock for international picture. And I could see it picking up another award. Um, I don't think director's going to be it, but perhaps screenplay. So that's going to be my choice, if only because I think it's got more likely to win than Nightmare Alley, which is the other movie that has four nominations. I also really love this movie. I didn't think I would because it's three hours long. <laughs> And I uh, fundamentally believe that movies should be 90 minutes or less. Um, there's beauty <laughs> in being concise. But this movie really doesn't waste any time. And I really liked how quiet and simple it is. And it's such a universal theme of what do we do with our grief and how do we move on with our lives. So, so a, be- a really beautiful movie that I hope wins a couple awards. Yeah, this was my third overall pick just because I agree it's a lock for international feature and I think it stands a really good shot at adapted screenplay really enjoyed it it didn't feel like three hours watching it it went by pretty quick we had to have an intermission I think it is available on HBO Max now definitely highly recommend it it's a very sweet and contemplative movie I just saw this uh, I saw drive my car two nights ago and I was blown away i didn't really expect to enjoy it as much as i did considering it is really mostly a movie about making a play <laughs> right mm-hmm. um but and it was uh, you know i didn't know anything about uncle vanya or you know Chekhov's play uh and i wasn't sure if i should at first so i was watching i was like is this supposed to like really tie into this play but i think what i figured out throughout watching the film is yeah there are maybe some parallels or some some subject matter that they both touch on but it's not really essential and yeah, it's just so interesting how one of the one of the important parts about the movie is making this production of this play, but he's doing something unique in that he's having all the actors speak in their own languages. Every person is doing their part. And like even when they're doing the uh, the table reads, they have to like knock on the table to indicate that my line is done, next person. And one of the people uses Korean sign language, which I thought was just so fascinating. And there are just some moments, even with the actors together where you can see that even though they're speaking different languages, they're still able to relay different emotions or, or feelings or thoughts to each other. Uh, and I thought it was really kind of heartwarming in that way. I've been joking. It truly has been a huge year for theater kids uh, <laughs> yeah. and for the... Uh, and for sign language. And for the deaf community as well. Um, <laughs> as for, I, I think Tick, Tick, Boom is basically the ultimate theater kid movie. And uh, for sign language, so it was interesting to see Korean sign language, whereas Coda is uh, very upfront as with American sign language, um, which also then even builds off of uh, last year with Sound of Metal. And uh, the front runner for documentary short is right. also about a deaf football team. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to see those themes. Every year seems to have one or two themes that resonate across multiple films. It's also not a film, but Station Eleven oh, was yeah. also like, oh, the power of Shakespeare and universal <laughs> uh, storytelling. So <laughs> funny how that works out. Great show. I think Frame <laughs> for Frame, Drive My Car is probably the most beautiful movie of the year. There's just a couple scenes that just like are imprinted in my head now, like them smoking out the sunroof. It's definitely one of them. And when she shows him, I don't want to give anything away, but when she shows him her hometown, I think there's some beautiful sweeping scenes, a real homage to Japan without it being about Japan, Mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciate in an international film. Such understated acting, too, because I'm trying to think. Don't think anyone speaks above like their normal voice. There's no yelling. It's just all very like internal processing uh, Mm. of feelings. But yeah, it's a great movie. So we'll move on back around to you, Roberto. All right. So I've thought about this one a little bit. And instead of going for the most nominations route, I'm going to go for a movie that I think might win multiple awards. I'm going to pick The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Jesus loves us through anything. Jesus loves me just the way I am. Jesus loves the way that I love. And have you found it to be true that people want to stay away and that they're afraid to be in the same room as you and breathe the same air that you breathe? Yes, Tammy. And the real reason, I actually haven't seen this one. Uh, I probably should before uh, the end of the, the week. But, you know, Jessica Chastain seems to be the front runner to win Best Actress. And I think on top of that, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, there's, there's a big chance that it's going to win that as well. Partly because of the transformation that Jessica Chastain went through to be nominated for Best Actress. Yeah, it's a real twofer there. <laughs> she, get, <laughs> she gets the nomination in part because of the makeup, and then makeup gets the nomination itself combined with exactly. her acting. <laughs> exactly. Has anyone seen this one? No, I, we, we wanted did, to. It's been kind of under the radar because it came out, I think, in like August or something. And it's b- available on Hulu now if you want to uh, check it out. I wasn't familiar with the the story because it's a biopic um, about this very influential uh, couple of televangelists, I think from the 80s. Um, that definitely always helps with the best actress or best actor contention when you're uh, deliberately doing these historical figures. Well, funny enough, of course, uh, with best actor as well, with Will Smith being the front runner. So it's a very clear and storied path. All the momentum is around uh, Jessica Chastain right now. Have you watched it, Ryan? No, I've, I've barely heard of it. This is the most I've heard about this movie. <laughs> Sounds like a serious Righteous Gemstones. Yes. Yes, basically. It's, it's, it's very much that. Notably, Jessica Chastain, who plays Tammy Faye and is nominated for the Oscar, won the SAG Award um, and gave a pretty good speech um, and has been making the rounds really putting herself out there. She loves award shows and would love to win this Oscar. So I think she's, although it's a pretty open category, definitely the front runner in that category. And in terms of makeup and styling, I can't see any other movie coming close because they don't have that transformative factor in it. Perhaps Cruella. Yeah, I think this is a great strategy, Berto, because it is more likely to win two awards than maybe some of the movies that have four or five nominations. Well, as we get through, especially end of this round and into the uh, third round, it's going to be a lot of movies that we're pretty sure maybe are going to get one win, but it drops off very uh, precipitously after the move, some of the movies we've already uh, discussed. 
the big upset spoiler here makeup and hairstyling it could be another one that goes to dune maybe mm. for best actress the other major contender would be for spencer uh and kristen stewart i it, you can't discount nicole kidman though so nicole kidman for being the ricardos is also nominated in this category and could also win really hard category to predict well and right. olivia coleman they like to see her <laughs> win awards that's who i love to <laughs> well, see well i mean in truly so it's gonna be the first time we're mentioning it but lost daughter was a great movie it was olivia coleman playing kind of just a cold-blooded psycho yeah i loved i love her in any movie but i really liked her in lost daughter and perhaps that's all we should say about it because somebody may draft it it is nominated for two awards that's true well we can keep moving all right. Well, for my second pick, I really am astonished that it's come all the way back around to me uh, because for my second pick, I'm going with Coda. Got the sweet morning dew. to you. And it was plain to see you were my destiny. Boo. Now, the reason being, it's nominated for three awards, but it really has a good chance at all three. Near guaranteed for one. That's for supporting actor in Troy Kotzer, who plays the father of the main character in the movie. And he is a deaf actor, and he has been making all the rounds, getting all the awards. Falling off of chairs. It would be a supreme shock if he does not win Best Supporting Actor. Then it's also nominated for Adapted Screenplay, which is a very competitive category. It could go to Power of the Dog, but it did recently win Adapted Screenplay, I believe, at the BAFTAs or another... It was another recent award show. And then it is now the likely upset winner for Best Picture as well, instead of Power of the Dog. So I'm just playing my odds here. If it nabs all three, then between this and Dune, I think I'm a lock for this draft <laughs> yeah just a really touching fun enjoyable movie i don't know why i waited this long to watch it i really enjoyed it it's just you know it's nice to see a movie that makes you feel good at the end and i think that's part of like the major push around this movie is that it is kind of uplifting it sold to apple for a record amount from sundance last year then it coming out in August this year. And I think that's part of the way that it's been a little bit under the radar because it came earlier in the season and on Apple Plus, uh, which has had its TV shows, but hasn't gotten a lot of recognition for any movies yet. This is by far its biggest impact um, in movies and might even drive up the subscriptions. We've been trying to get our parents to watch it and finally having to just give them our login because people just aren't as used to it. But within the industry, it has had a huge push and I did really enjoy it. I don't necessarily think that it could stand up to the test of time of what you necessarily imagine from a best picture winner in terms of the scale or the like the subject matter, but it is a great movie for representation and everyone loves it. So when we talk about the preferential ballot, I think it could easily be on a ton of people's ballots as the number two or the number three. Um, and then for people who didn't really like Power to Dog for whatever reason, it could end up surpassing it. Roberto, did you watch this movie? I loved it. It was really oh. like you, it was very heartwarming. I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, yeah, the, the, the depiction of the family and just kind of how they function together and it was just really nice. <laughs> 
There is no way Katzer doesn't win this because it was a great performance and also because this movie did so well at the SAG Awards with the cast winning the Ensemble Award. They're going to want to recognize it. And I can't see, other than Best Picture, uh, another place where they would. Um, So I think it's a lock for at least that award of supporting actor. I love this movie. I think it's safe to say it was my favorite movie of the year and not just because it made me cry, uh, but also because of the cast and how tight-knit they they seem and you can't say without much without spoiling it but it does have such a such a heartwarming ending i think this is a a major emotional trigger for anyone with a daughter probably (laughs) just one of those movies where it's really about the foundational relationship between parents um and their daughter and then it has this extra layer the main character she really enjoys singing but the rest of her family is deaf and she's trying to figure out her place, um, whether she's going to stay with her family or what her future is going to be, which is very sentimental. I think, interestingly, as an immigrant, this movie resonated with me also in that she is the sole interpreter of her family. And so she does a lot of translating and has to be that in-between person for her family and the rest of the world and, and also has to grow up really fast. She's put into these adult situations as a high schooler. Um, and has to take a lot of responsibility. So I identified with her for that reason. And it makes it harder to think about leaving too. Right. Like, yeah. Because people are oh, depending on you. I need to go to college you. and I need to like do my own thing, but there's still my family who's used to having me help them navigate the world. And what are they going to do when I'm gone? Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, I just thought of this, but thinking back to the pandemic and we had all these official government press conferences and it was nice to see the representation that they always had a sign language interpreter at all these events and i'm not sure if they've done it in the past for the oscars but i wonder if they'll have a permanent kind of in picture box of an Mm. interpreter or not maybe they should maybe it's about time in theory you could subtitle it if you were hard of hearing but it's probably a different experience than having an interpreter there Mm -hmm. throughout the whole show we'll see I think if anything stands against this movie, it's the fact that it was on Apple Plus and experientially it's the hardest movie to seek out. Just not a lot of people have Apple Plus. And if they do, then they might not know. It's a movie that was kind of flew under the radar until recently where it started picking up some steam. So let's hope people watch it and watch it soon so that at least win a couple awards. All right. And now we are back to you, Ryan. All right. uh, For my second pick, uh, I'm going to call this the give Paul Thomas Anderson an Oscar pick. <laughs> um, so I'm taking licorice pizza. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I, he was maybe going to be my boyfriend. Listen, young lady, you don't bring this idiot to Shabbat dinner here. Listen, dad, he's an atheist and an actor and he's famous. But he's Jewish. He was going to take me out of here. Effie. Don't you even look at me. Don't you even look at me. You're always oh. looking at me. I what are you doing? Say anything. What are you doing? What are you thinking, huh? I'm Essie. I work for mom and dad. I'm perfect. I'm a real estate agent. Alana doesn't have her life together. Alana brings home stupid boyfriends all the time. I mean, I knew it. I knew that was what you were thinking. You're always thinking things. You thinker. You thinker. You think things. So, including this year, Paul Thomas Anderson has been nominated for eleven Oscars, and he has yet to win one. I do not think he is most deserving for this film. But the original screenplay Oscar is wide open this year. Mm. There's not a good leader. And the Oscars are famous for doing a makeup Oscar. I think there's a lot that he should have won for. I know Eric and I disagree on No Country for Old Men versus There Will Be Blood. But 
I think that it's ripe for a Paul Thomas Anderson screenplay Oscar. Phantom Thread also such a good movie. I think that's probably my favorite PTA movie. Well, he's a legend of modern film now. Um, and it is kind of crazy. I actually wasn't aware of that. Until he just mentioned that he hadn't won anything with all of these heralded movies that he has made. So I think I agree. It is the front runner for original screenplay right now. He's definitely going to get a best director someday for this movie. I enjoyed it. It's also nominated for best picture, but agreed. It's not his strongest effort. This movie was entirely too long and not in the same way that drive my car was where you felt like every minute was justified, but that a lot of scenes were just extraneous to the plot and didn't really need to be there. In my opinion, I did think that the overall like vibe of the movie was impeccable. I think that's what he's best at. And some of the dialogue was catchy and you have that stellar performance by Bradley Cooper in the middle of it. That's just so, so funny. But not my favorite movie of the year. I don't think I would rewatch it. To me, it felt kind of like a little bit of a passion project, but show off movie kind of in the same way that West Side Story is, where so much of it is just in the blocking and the dialogue, the sweeping cameras. It is an impeccable vibe movie for that old historical Hollywood. It really made me think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when I was watching it. Okay, so here we have another director who's been in Hollywood who just wants to make his uh, kind of like reinterpretation or play off of history and with the style of old Hollywood. But it was good. There's also something creepy about the age difference of the two leads in this movie. I know that it's kind of glossed over because the female character is older than the male character in this instance, but it's still, I mean, how old is the young man in this movie? 15? 16 15, 15 16 yeah and she's 25 like <laughs> it's a weird aspect to it i know that it was kind of one of the controversies when the movie came out it didn't really impact my enjoyment of the movie because i think the tension of the relationship is kind of the whole point as well yeah a little unconventional did you watch this one roberto yeah and you know i i love paul thomas anderson a lot of his movies this was not my favorite of his is probably like kind of down the list for me, but definitely a vibes movie, even more so than a plot movie. I did like Alana Himes performance actually, but the, the interesting thing about the age difference is I kind of came into it knowing about it and didn't think it would bother me, but it was kind of, it felt a little off, which maybe, I don't know, I wasn't expecting in myself, but yeah, I, I, I like the allusion to once upon a time in Hollywood and just kind of the old LA kind of, feel and just showing like what things used to be you know um overall not not my favorite my favorite pta is phantom thread <laughs> it's a, it's a movie dripping in nostalgia and i think my favorite part of it was probably bradley cooper with his really small part uh really actually but i'm sure there's probably some deleted scenes that are pretty entertaining the wardrobe in this movie is also really good alana hines has some of the best outfits i've seen in a movie in a long time so I liked it for that reason, if not for anything else. And for my third pick, I'm surprised it's still around since it has been the most nominated of what's remaining for a while. But I'm going to take King Richard. What's going on? Everybody okay? They got a call, said there was trouble in the house and that we were being rough with the girls and they needed to look. A call from who? Not at liberty to say. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. You uh, you all need to look around. Where you can check on in the cupboards. Maybe you can go check under the beds, make sure it's no monsters. It's a little wet for practice, don't you think? Don't the girls have schoolwork to do? They do their homework. I think it's Will Smith's time. I pick Power of the Dog because I think Benedict Cumberbatch stands a chance to get in under the wire. But I think Will Smith's performance is really something here. Like he, you never see Will Smith play a character like this. He really turns in to Richard Williams. I think it's a real impressive performance. There's always the debate on how much is acting and how much is an impression. Mm. I, I Just a real good classic sports movie. It also has the potential to win uh, film editing, which it picked up an editing award recently. So, and that, best original song. I mean, yeah, Beyonce, it's hard to Beyonce. compete against Beyonce, even though this the song that they chose from this movie is a credit song and not that integral to the plot. I think it's still a good song, and it's Beyonce. If they can get her to perform, that would be amazing. I'd be so excited to see her at the Oscars. Best song is the worst Oscars category. <laughs> And I know you feel that I'm way. a little afraid that the broadcast is going to be dominated by all the best songs because there we do have some very high profile nominees this year with Would uh, that be such a bad thing though cuz it's Billie Eilish and then you have a Lin-Manuel Miranda score Yeah but I'm not tuning into the Oscars to watch the Grammys you know mm, I am I guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, King Richard was good it came out in November controversially uh so it had that first 30 days streaming deal um on hbo max was probably how most people watched it uh rather than in theaters and it's definitely one of those movies also where you want to go back and look up and see the real history because richard williams the father of serena and venus um is a very controversial figure and so this movie has gotten a lot of support from venus and serena which is really helping it out when they're on the award circuit broadcasting as well but then as part of that it also is a very favorable look at him as well mm. compared to you know some of his more prickly parts but then also at the same time you know maybe he was right too in a lot of the choices that he made for his daughters uh so very interesting uh biopic even if it's a bit more conventional it's very well made they do address at least in part some of the pricklier part aspects of Richard in the movie. Um, there's this one scene where they kind of talk about his abandonment of his first family, so to speak, but not enough, in my opinion. I think it is a very favorable look at him. And I would much rather award Andrew Garfield for portraying Jonathan Larson, who is like an amazing playwright and such a interesting and fascinating story. It is a really good performance on the part of Will Smith. I think Will Smith should have won for The Pursuit of Happiness, but this could be an instance where they award an Oscar after the fact just to make sure that we have given Will Smith an award. And he really wants it. He's been campaigning like crazy. He gave a SAG award speech that was, uh, you know, very teary and emotional. So I don't see anybody else winning this award or the Best Actor Award, namely, but... This is definitely one of those... Lifetime Achievement Awards, very much the way that for Brad Pitt got it for Best Supporting Actor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that his biggest potential pitfall is Glenn Close and The Wife a couple of years ago, where everyone assumed that she was going to win. And it was going to be one of those kind of cumulative Lifetime Achievement Awards of it's just time to get her an Oscar, even if we don't necessarily like this particular movie. And so maybe everyone just thought, okay, she'll win. And they put out 
some other vote for somebody else. I think that's really the only way that he doesn't win best actor is if mm. they, people just assume and then they're like, yeah, just like you, they vote for Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom because they really like that portrayal or Benedict Cumberbatch um, and kind of split the vote a little bit. And it also happened with Chadwick Boseman in the best actor category right. when he lost, even though he was, I mean, by all in all predictions, a lock for that win and then he he didn't win. So there's always got to be careful with those certain wins. So for my third pick, this is where it gets dicey. This is definitely where now we're probably just picking uh, movies that are likely to pick up one, maybe two. So for my pick, I'm going to go with Encanto. You didn't get a gift? Um, Mirabel! Delivery! I gave you the special since you're the only Madrigal kid with no gift. I call it the not special special since uh, you have no gift. Thanks. Of course you are. Given me death glares, maybe that was going to be, you're hoping to pick that up. I think this is going to be a near lock for animated feature. Don't really have a strong Pixar contender this year. I mean, there's potential split. Um, Justice for Luca. Come on. <laughs> It was fine. Mitchell's versus the machines, I think, would be the, the spoiler, the most likely to be spoiler. It helps that Encanto came out at the end of the year here, and then everyone's just been vibing off of that Lin Manuel music. So there's also the possibility that it could pick up original song. It's also nominated for original score, but as discussed earlier, I don't think really anything has a chance against Dune. Uh, but covering my bases here, so Encanto. Uh, this is also one of those movies where you start to wonder how online the Academy is because the score for this movie was such a TikTok and Twitter sensation that you you wonder if it'll get some recognition just because of that. Uh, the the song that is no- nominated is not the most popular song in the soundtrack, uh, but it is the most beautiful song in the soundtrack, in my opinion, is Dos Uruguitas, which is a pivotal song in the movie because it tells the story of the grandma and how she came to find their refuge. A really good song. I hope that if anything was going to spoil the Beyonce or Billie Eilish win, it would, I think, be Encanto. So potentially two awards. What is your favorite song on the soundtrack? I do like Dos Uruguitas, but I also like Surface Pressure is what it's called. The, The Luisa song. It's so good, too. But that's kind of now, do you think the Bruno song is the most popular? It one? is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the most popular song, but I, it, not my favorite. Good pick. I love this movie. Did, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Did you watch Encanto, Ryan? No, I haven't yet. How about you, Birdo? I did. It was fun. I did really like all, all the music, actually. I came into it knowing that uh, don't talk about we don't talk about Bruno as TikTok famous, but I actually ended up really liking the character of Bruno. I thought he was really interesting and kind of, you know, had some depth to him. But actually, a lot of the family members had, not only did they have some special powers, but they had, you know, different aspects of their personality that resulted from that. Or, you know, maybe there's some kind of play between, you know, this is who you are and this is the power that you have. But yeah, the the, the family aspect and even just like the whole origin story of the family and what it took for them to get to where they were in terms of the house, what they had to lose to get there. I, I found that all really compelling. I think it's hard to be an immigrant or a Latin American person and not find a lot in this movie that resonates with you. It's such a tale of family dynamics and matriarchy. 
I really loved all of the characters and how distinctly different they are. And I also liked how the main character in this movie uh, is kind of an outsider looking into the rest of her family. All in all, a really great movie. When I we first watched this, uh, I was a little bit of a hater. It's a yeah. little yeah, you were a little bit of a hater. And <laughs> the mu- it was a little upsetting. The mu- the music is good. I don't know if it's as good as say Moana, and the story is interesting in that it doesn't really have a villain. Uh, it's kind of more about just the dynamics of a family. Very well made uh, production, but probably not my favorite animated movie. The grandma's the villain. We've gone over this. But she's still the grandma, so she's not really. Grandma's scary. She's spoopy, (laughs) Eric. You just haven't had that fear instilled in you. All right, Roberto, what's your next pick? All right, I think where I'm going to go next is is one of those that potentially could win multiple, but I think has a good chance at winning at least one, and I'm going to go with Flea. The new? Tsunami to Ninja Boshi. Dolce Media, that's my boy, he's going to be Ooh, have you seen it, Birdo? Yeah, I saw oh. Flea I think last week, and it was really touching and moving as well. Like what interested me about it going into it was that it was nominated for Best Animated Feature, Best International Feature, and Best Documentary. So I was like, wow, that's just like three totally different. <laughs> areas to be nominated in. Um, how are they going to pull that together? And uh, actually watching it and seeing that, okay, so this is like somebody telling their story, but by it being an animated movie, they're able to do things like flashbacks and kind of show, you know, a reenactment, but not being, you know, some weird like reality TV or, or like detective kind of show where it's like reenactment. It's It's very well done and very, moving to hear him talk through something that he's been through and seeing him as, as a young child with his family going through those experiences as a foreign language film as well. It was just really interesting to see what sorts of things he went through in terms of the different countries that he, he ended up going through as a refugee and some really harrowing experiences with borders or with different governments and bureaucracy and just like really horrible stuff that uh, some some people who are just trying to <laughs> live a better life and get away from something terrible have to go through. So I found it really touching. I'm sold. I, I will watch this movie before Sunday. It's one of those movies that we just haven't gotten around to, but we definitely want to watch. And it is available on Hulu. I have high hopes for this movie, mainly because the other contenders for Best Documentary just haven't impressed me, particularly Summer of Soul, which... I understand in scope is a, a feat and Questlove has some name recognition is probably going to win, but it just wasn't very compelling to me. Um, and the other best documentary nominees that we've watched also weren't. Well, Attica was powerful. Attica was powerful, but hard to stomach. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I would never watch that again. And I also don't think I could recommend it to somebody. It's just a really hard documentary to watch. And Ascension, which we watched just a couple nights ago, is interesting in that it doesn't really have a narrative. It just kind of has a, it looks widely at mainland China and its power as a 
manufacturing, manufacturing mecca, yeah. um, I guess. But it doesn't really have any central characters. And you do get to points of it where you're like, okay, this is kind of unnecessary. It's an observational documentary. It's just very different from the other nominees. I don't think it that one has the power to win. But fascinating in what it shows you about everyday life um, in China. And by far the biggest twist probably we've seen of all of the Oscar movies. One of the sections is... Oh my gosh. Is people manufacturing sex dolls. <laughs> um, and before that, for all the stuff they're manufacturing, like rugs medical widgets you know all of a sudden and then you're like oh my gosh they're painting a human head and they're like maneuvering the legs it's very it's there's very a lady there just like intricately painting a nipple <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating i could have watched the whole documentary on just uh making sex dolls in china but <laughs> but we don't get to that's the thing it like jumps very quickly to like a butler school then to a uh an academy for security guards and some textile manufacturing. It's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the documentaries this year, but Flea is really intriguing just because of its combination of nominations, mm-hmm. you know, animated feature, documentary, and foreign language. It's, it's rare. There is a world where, say, Drive My Car gets recognized in director, and then this movie could move in to be recognized in that international movie spot. Honestly, international feature is a big wild card to me. I think we were all assuming that Drive My Car will win, but also the worst person in the world has gotten so heralded. Um, we haven't got a chance to see it yet. Has there ever been a Best Picture nominee that hasn't won for international feature? Well, that's, sometimes that's, it sometimes it wins international feature in place of Best Picture. Well, well, right, that's yeah. what I mean. Is like they if there's an international feature nominated for Best Picture, it generally always I honestly, yeah i don't remember what happened with parasite if that parasite won, won best so, international yeah. feature and then roma i believe won international feature but then also didn't win best picture mm-hmm. crouching tiger hidden dragon we'll see yeah. it has a chance yeah and Good if pick. anything i'm glad you picked it Berta, because it gave us a chance to talk about it yeah i, I would recommend it. it it's it definitely has some hard parts but it's definitely by the end worth it it, it has a really actually uplifting ending i would say okay well sandra you got two picks Well, I'm going to do something that is out of character for me, and that is pick a movie that I haven't seen. I'm going to pick No Time to Die, which is the new James Bond feature. Welcome. On the floor. Your side on. If only for the reason that I think it's going to win at least one award. Well, it only has one nomination. It has three. Does it? It has three. Sound, song, and visual effects. I think it's going to win best song. And that's, that's the nomination. That's the win I'm counting on because it's a good Billie Eilish song that came out far before the movie did. So it had some time to gain traction. And it's a good song. So I, I hope it wins that category. And if it could win Best Sound, you never know with those action movies. Again, I haven't seen it because they just don't <laughs> appeal to me. Uh, but I have I did sit through Eric's rewatch of all the Bond movies leading up to it <laughs> so that he could comfortably go see it. So I feel like I've had, I've had my share of Bond for the year. Yeah, Ryan and I actually went to see No Time to Die together. And I it definitely ranks up there among the best 
Bond intro songs. It's really good. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the movie's better than Skyfall. You know, put it down. <laughs> Ryan can't help himself. <laughs> bring, coming in here with the hot takes. Um, I, I think what might hurt it, though, is that the song did come out so long. so long ago when, like, this movie was supposed to come out in 2020. Mm. And so the the song itself came out then in preparation. And it's, you know, it's been out for almost two years. Yeah, it's kind of like they're two distinct things, right? Yeah. The song and the movie. That's why I think it could win song, but not necessarily anything else. Yeah, it's a it's a really good, like, Bond song. And I, think yeah. it, and I think it would be the most fitting, because as I was saying, original song... It's kind of a joke category because frequently it does end up being just like a random credit song and has nothing to do with the movie. But with Bond songs, it is like a very big thing of who's doing it. And it's tied to the credit sequence, which pretty much among movie franchises, the credit sequences of Bond movies are uniquely important and it fits it very well. So, And this movie is a good mood setter, too. It kind of gets you in that headspace. So, yeah, I have high hopes. I also love Billie Eilish. So I hope... I hope to see her there and not just making funny faces in the audience, but on stage. That's that's all I have to say because I have not seen this film. I I, <laughs> I hear good things. It was okay. Did you like No Diamond Eye, Roberto? Yeah, I would say it's probably my third favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie. So, <laughs> all right, there so, only three Daniel Craig here, here's, Bond here's movies? The time there's five. There's five. Oh, there's five. Here, here's okay. the time for the, uh, uh, yeah, the controversial power ranking. So, uh, Roberto, what would be your ranking? Top three movies if it's third. I'm going to go Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, and then I guess Spectre and then Quantum of Solace. I still have never fully watched Spectre. I tried a couple times to get all the way through it. So, But I would agree with you. I think Casino Royale is the best. But Skyfall, I think, is definitely number two uh, behind Casino Royale. And then this was good. It was an interesting way to conclude Daniel Craig's run. For me, at least, it's a movie that doesn't quite hold up as a whole film, but individual parts were really good. Um, his time in Cuba was uh, fantastic. Really, basically, the whole first half of the film. I didn't really necessarily like the conclusion, but I guess I'll give it third best. I mean, Skyfall does not have Anadarmus, so, you know, <laughs> notch against it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I go Casino Royale. No Time to Die, then Spectre, and then Skyfall. I think Quantum of Solace is easily, like, the worst one. I can't believe you've made it through Quantum of Solace and not Spectre. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was early in my rewatch, so I was powering through. Spectre was just, like, the last one. Didn't quite make it in time. And I can't believe I'm the one that drafted this movie, but (laughs) here we are. Well, it's a solid pick. All right, well, what's going to be your fourth movie? My fourth movie is going to be The Lost Daughter. They really put us through it, huh? I thought you said you were pregnant with your first. I am. What were your daughters like when they were little? Were they like this willful little creature? I honestly can't remember much, actually. Oh, no, you can't forget anything about your own children. Is that your experience? I just mean, did your daughters give you a hard time when they were little? I don't think it's going to win any awards, <laughs> but I think it, like Belfast, it's the most likely to spoil a lot of categories. So I could see Olivia Coleman winning and nobody like being surprised about it. She does an excellent job. This movie has also been picking up steam. It won a couple independent spirit awards and Maggie Gyllenhaal, the director, was recognized. I, I could see it picking up adapted screenplay because it's such a 
well-known novel with an author that also has had several other books that have been picked up for adaptations. I could see it also potentially winning supporting actress because she did a great job, though that category is kind of set. But it's a unique situation where the main actress and the supporting actress play the same character, which is a fascinating dynamic. I love this movie, and I'm really glad that it got three nominations. I hope it picks up something so it gets recognized in some way. A great, a great movie. Much like Godfather Part Two, <laughs> best actor. Exactly and like actor. Godfather Part Two, in, in the same, same, <laughs> same movie, Z's. basically same, same Z's. I think it's it, it's a very good movie. Um, and here we have another just a, an adult drama. I think the trio of movies that came out in December for Netflix's run this year collectively is as strong as it's ever been. Of like, give it just give us some Oscars, um, please. Between Power of the Dog, The Lost Daughter, Don't Look Up, which we haven't talked about yet. But this one, it's a very well done drama, but it's also interesting how it's a movie about a bad mom. Yeah. And that's not something you really ever see in popular culture. Except um, for the bad moms. Oh, yeah, the franchise. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> it's very easy to see that, you know, any tropes about, uh, you know, lost dads, but to have a, a mother who just isn't interested in really being a mom at all. It's a, it, this is another one of those movies that depending on maybe a relationship between parents and kids could hit very hard, uh, depending on who's watching it. But overall, I really liked it just for the vibes. I think she's in the south of France, um, is where it's set. Italy. Italy. And then Olivia Coleman is just so good. There's also a couple other interesting performances in it. Uh, Dakota Johnson, who I think is underrated as a dramatic actress is also in this movie and plays an important role. And Jesse Buckley oh. also does a great job. Wouldn't be surprised if she won for this performance. I could see, if the only scenario where I could see winning is if Olivia also wins. And then we find out that the acting branch of the Academy really liked this movie. But I really loved all of the female performances, female director, just overall a real powerhouse of women behind this movie. Who's the better Hall? I'm going to go one with of Jake. them was in Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't seen that movie, actually. Oh, it was so good. That I don't know what year it came out, but that was my favorite of that year. There's Wildlife. We love that movie. October Sky. I mean... They're both great. Danny Donnie Darko. Darko. <laughs> Maggie has a lot, to, a lot more to, to do. So okay. those are my two picks. All right. So you've got four out of your five now. Um, so we're coming back to you, Roberto. All right, moving on to my pick. Now we're kind of at the point of, you know, there are a few movies that have multiple nominations, but I don't know if they're going to win anything. I'm going to I'm going to go with Nightmare Alley. How do you ever get a guy to geek? Oh, I'm going to crap you up. It ain't easy. You got to pick up a broken drunk, a real alky, a two bottle a day full seat. Pick him up from where? Nightmare Alley, train tracks, flap houses, you name it. A lot of folks came back from the war, addicted to the poppy, to booze. Now, opium really sinks its claws, but you reel them in with booze. Love that movie. I count myself among the Nightmare Alley heads. Why are you choosing it, Berto? Well, I'll have to say first, when I saw the trailer for the movie and even the name of the movie, I thought it was going to be maybe a little bit more uh, supernaturally creepy, which I was not excited for. (laughs) I don't really like that kind of movie. It was creepy. But it was creepy in the carny way. So 
I appreciated the vibe that it gave as as creepy, but not maybe like devilish or something. But I wasn't sure I was going to like it even as I was watching it. But by the end, it I definitely came around to this is this is pretty good. This is this is a uh, a very good Guillermo del Toro level of some really gross, gory things that happen. Uh, um, some good prosthetic work, but there was actually some really good acting too. I was really surprised, uh, especially between. Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper's sort of dynamic was really intriguing. This is probably my favorite Guillermo movie. I liked it better than Shape of Water. I think he's clearly, as a director, really honed in on his particular brand. Like You can see a very similar style uh, that populates both of those movies, but just something about this worked a little bit better for me, maybe in the kind of twist ending um, of how it works. Don't really want to spoil too much, but I'm afraid that this is a movie that is going to get shut out, which is unfortunate. I think it could definitely deserve a production design Oscar, I guess maybe costume design, which is another one that it's nominated for. Does a good job of taking you through the narrative, but not really showing you exactly where it's going to go. And I thought it was very compelling to see Kate Blanchett in this role, especially playing kind of a femme fatale character, even though that at this point she is a more mature actress, but she does a great job. Bradley Cooper, we're Bradley Cooper fans um, on this pod and in this house, and he did a great job as well. Any movie that came out in theaters in December really did hurt their Oscar push. And this was the same for Nightmare Alley. If anybody was going to see a movie, it was Spider-Man, wasn't Nightmare Alley, it wasn't West Side Story, and then it really kind of make up for that. came out on HBO Max and Hulu, and that's how we watched it. So probably subscribe to one of those streaming services. Definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, when I saw the trailer, like Birdo, I thought it was going to be Supernatural, and I had the opposite reaction when it wasn't, because I really like the Del Toro Supernatural stuff which is why my favorite del toro is hellboy 2 golden army (laughs) (laughs) no it's pan's labyrinth but yeah i don't know i I, it's a good movie it's very good i don't think it has a shot at best picture like no chance but i mean the costume design and production design are really cool like the art deco throughout Mm -hmm. the whole film Mm -hmm. is awesome i mean every individual set from the whole carny atmosphere to then going to these polished atmospheres um, of the city. It was very exquisitely made. It seems like they're really pushing for that production design award. They've uh, D- Del Toro has done a few interviews where he breaks down scenes and talks a lot about specific set pieces, like the weird baby in a jar. I hate it so much, <laughs> but this movie uh, is fantastic. It It's really worth it. It has a, a great twist ending and the payoff at the end is is worth the the watch. So I recommend it if you haven't watched it yet to check out Nightmare Alley. So we still have a few movies left on the table that have multiple nominations. Uh, but for most of them, I'm kind of afraid that they're going to get shut out. So I'm just going to try. I think I have a solid list with my first three uh, to give me some Oscars. So I'm just going to pick off some individual ones. I think it's going to win Best Documentary happy about it. I'm going to go with Summer of Soul. I was a little kid. I remember being with my family, walking around the park, and as far as I could see, it was just black people. This was the first time I'd ever seen so 
many of us. It was incredible. It's a smart choice. Reason I think it's going to win is because it was produced by Questlove. And it is also a very accessible and engaging movie that is available on Disney Plus right now. It's also, I've even seen some ad campaigns for it. It's covering a festival that happened in the 70s that was just a collection of all of the best African-American soul singers at that time. Um, And it was in Harlem. And the whole idea is that it's basically found footage. It was recorded and then all the tapes were stuffed away. And now it's being reproduced as this was an important cultural event that shouldn't be forgotten in history. And if you like music, it is a really good documentary. It's very well put together. I think the reason that I don't wouldn't necessarily pick it to win, but I think it will win just by virtue of its campaigning. And especially with smaller categories like this, they can be very subject to the personalities of the people that are behind them. Is that it just kind of became very repetitive over time. I think it could have benefited from some more historical context and interviews to mix up um, all of the music itself, but very well done. And I also, I think of the musical documentaries, I'm glad maybe about this being nominated and win winning instead of the multi-part documentary on the Beatles, the way back, because that also kind of has a similar vibe. It's just four times longer it is so long should not qualify <laughs> much like the oj doc yeah it's not nominated it wasn't nominated. Oh, okay. yeah yeah i i was worried about it because then i was like oh god damn i'm gonna have to watch this whole thing <laughs> but yeah so i'm just gonna try and pick up a, a sure win here with a uh, summer of soul it's a very paint by numbers documentary in my opinion too it's got the cutaway talking heads and then it comes back to the concert and it kind of plays the concert in sequence uh, and ends with a this is important and I'm glad we documented it kind of feel. Yeah, not my favorite, even though I love Motown and I love soul music. So if I'm not the target audience for this movie, I don't know who is, but it's got that name recognition, like you said, so I'm sure it will win. All right, Ryan, what's going to be your fourth pick? Uh, much like my, my Paul Thomas Anderson makeup Oscar, this one's for someone who is snubbed for their performance in Adventureland. I'm going to take Spencer. Mummy, why do we have to open our presents on Christmas Eve? Why not Christmas Day like everybody else? You know, at school you do tenses. Yeah. yeah. It's the past, the present, the future. Right. Well, here, there is only one tense. There is no future past and the present to the same thing adventureland is a great movie yeah it is fantastic <laughs> we can just talk about adventureland because <laughs> i haven't seen spencer well Kristen stewart does do well she plays uh princess diana and this movie has a another johnny greenwood score which is also kind of like horror jazz it's a very unconventional biopic as opposed to something like king richard it has kind of it's a like a narrow slice of time around when she is going to balmoral castle for christmas she's obviously going through a very tumultuous time i'm sure that the royal family does not enjoy this movie it didn't really quite work for me as well but i do think that Kristen stewart didn't do a good job uh, portraying princess diana but what do you think sandra i am a huge diana stan uh, as you may or may not know and i think if you're expecting to see any new aspect of princess diana or any kind of veneration of her 
this is not the movie for you. It's very much a horror movie. And it has a lot of exaggerations of events that happened, like the scene where she eats pearls and a lot of really exaggerated aspects of her story. Uh, it wasn't for me. I did like the set design, the costumes. I think she did a great job um, portraying Diana. It just, it also is a very narrow window of time. It's, it's just a few days in her overall story. And it doesn't do it justice in playing the dynamics of the characters, well, I don't think. Kind of his MO, Pablo Lorraine's, because he did Jackie too, mm-hmm. which was just a couple days and a very stressful time. But I think Jackie did a better job at painting the story of Jackie and, and giving you some more background. With this one, you're just kind of plopped into these two days. I think that's the biggest problem with it, is that you have to be very plugged into the royals or the history of Princess Diana in order to really probably connect with this movie, because it doesn't really have any outside context. And you have to go into it basically knowing that Princess Diana had an eating disorder mm-hmm. and that she did not get along well with the royals which i guess more most people would do know that but it it's a very different and kind of like in a way unreliable narrator thing and that it's a lot of it is kind of a projection of her mind and her feelings and it's very claustrophobic in that way so it is trying to do something different but it is a very clear contrast to something like the crown Mm -hmm. and that portrayal of princess diana which also just came out this past year and for my mileage i do prefer something like the crown where it gives you the opportunity when you're talking about the Royals to have a very grand view and different locations and just being a more expansive movie where this is very focused. You either like the juxtaposition of it being kind of an eerie thriller coupled with the Royal grandness of her situation or you don't. And for me, it didn't work, but a great performance. I think she really has a shot, as much of a shot as anybody else in this category. I don't know who's leading the race in these categories, but I know who I think should win. Uh, and so I'm going to take Cruella. Who are you? You look vaguely familiar. I look stunning. I don't know about familiar, darling. Your hair, is it real? Black and white ball? I like to make an impact. Right. What was your name? Cruella. Because it's nominated for two Oscars, costume design and makeup and hairstyling. And this is the first movie that uh, I saw in theaters once COVID was in a lull. And Lull I, number one. Yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And But the, the costumes and the makeup and hairstyling are just so inventive. A lot of times these awards go to like, okay, you really nailed that era. Mm. You know, these are brand new. There's a dress that's made out of like butterfly pods. It's, Mm. I don't know, it's just insane. Not really a fashion person, but they were just, they were so cool looking. I don't know. I I think it 100% deserves costume design. I I don't know so much about makeup and hairstyling. That one's probably on the edge. Um, But again, like just hairstyles you don't see. It is the favorite for costume design. So that's probably its uh, path to victory there. Sandra and I haven't watched it yet. I Uh, really want to. I think we decided that we're going to watch this one on the plane. Yeah. Because we want to watch watch it. We just haven't gotten around to it. Have you watched it, Roberto? I have not. 
but it sounds like a good plane movie. And I love Emma Stone. I think it. I think it could be a really fun watch. Yeah. I, so I mean, Emma Stone's great and everything, and Paul Walter Hauser just gives you know a great comedic performance. How do you think it stacks up to other D- Disney remakes? Well, so it's not a remake, though. It's a you know it's sure part, it's part of adaptation. The, the Dalmatians expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it's better. I, I I've seen Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast. I guess the closest comparison would be uh, Maleficent, which I haven't seen, so okay. I, I can't really compare it to that. But I mean, Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book. It was like, yeah, okay, I've seen this movie. You yeah. guys have really made these special effects great. I would with like, Cinderella and Lion King too. I think Aladdin too. It was just kind of like. Mm. I would rather see this type of movie than the direct remakes because yeah. at least we're trying something a little bit different. And do we need to humanize a Disney villain? I don't know, but I am interested in seeing uh, Emma Stone doing this role. And I think they have confirmed that there's now going to be a sequel as well because it did so well, which now, now we're getting to real extended universe territory. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's out there. It's on Disney+. Plus, So I think we'll probably check this out before the ceremony. Yeah, I think we will too. Okay, well, Ryan, you've got all of your picks now. We're coming into the home stretch. And at this point, we, I think, kind of the front runner statuses have all been taken care of. And I'm not going to go for any of the shorts because even though I think I know what is going to, I have my opinions about what is going to win those, it's always a toss up. So I'm just going to go ahead and take the last movie that still has four nominations total. Dang it, Eric. And that is uh, Don't Look Up. Look, let's establish once again that there is a huge comet headed towards Earth. And the reason we know that there is a comet is because we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes using a telescope. I mean, for God's sakes, we took a fucking picture of it. What other proof do we need? Even though I'm the one that's friends with David Sirota <laughs> and not you. Well, you can talk about it. Don't Look Up is available on Netflix, and it's the latest from Adam McKay, uh, most recently of Vice and The Big Short, um, also in the past Anchorman. He's had quite <laughs> the career turn. Almost feels like he's trying to take an Aaron Sorkin approach to filmmaking, where he likes to write uh, very witty, maybe perhaps uh, liberal guilt uh, perspective movies. Um, And so this is all about, it's a satire with the premise of instead of climate change coming to destroy all of us, there is a asteroid on the way to destroy earth. And how does everyone respond uh, to that imminent danger versus the kind of imminent, but less obvious danger of climate change. And your mileage may vary on it. It, There are very mixed reviews out there. I am personally on the side of that. I very much enjoyed watching it. It's not, leo's strongest performance um and jennifer it's got a very star-studded cast because we got leo and uh jennifer lawrence heading it up um but the best performance for me was jonah hill getting back to his roots as as a comedy actor i think i thought he was pretty hilarious so it's nominated for editing original score original screenplay and best picture i think it maybe has a chance at editing maybe has a chance at original screenplay uh i could very well see it getting shut out but I think it's I think it's worth your time. I think it's a pretty good movie. I think given McKay's track record, it has a shot at editing. They like his style of editing. I don't know if it's deserving of that award because I know nothing about editing. <laughs> but I think it's po- it's a pos- possibility. 
I like this movie. I think I expected more from it. So it was one of those movies that I had to sit with it for a while to, you know, really decide if I liked it or not. As a satire, it gets frustrating because you're like, come on, you know, at several points of it, you, you want to just shake the characters in the movie and, and, and make them realize the, the obvious. But I like the performances in it. Like you say, it's, uh, you didn't mention this, but Meryl Street is also in the movie. She plays a Trump adjacent mm-hmm. president who I really enjoyed. And uh, there's smaller performances throughout the movie, too, that I thought were really good. Timothy. <laughs> That's right. I forget. Timothy <laughs> plays like this uh, this lost boy character uh, that befriends. <laughs> His best performance to date. Well, it, it actually, so it's a year for theater kids. It's a year for the deaf community. It's also quite the year for Timothy. <laughs> Such a year for Timothy. Because he was the, he's the lead in Dune as his marquee performance, but his small role here and also his small role in the French Dispatch, I thought were both great. Also, sidebar, criminal that the French Dispatch got zero nominations. I know you feel strongly that it should have gotten some recognition in like set design, but like what else would you have given at, it? At least something, at least one of these production categories. I don't know. I was not my favorite of his for sure. Cinematography, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It, it is beautiful. I mean, it has to be beautiful. Uh, but I didn't like the three. I don't know. We're getting off on a tangent now, but I didn't <laughs> like the anthology structure of it. And I really didn't like one of the stories. So, but Timothy was great. Ryan, what'd you think? Don't look up. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great pointed satire. I was really kind of surprised to hear how controversial it was. I just thought, you know, this is a good, funny movie. And the biggest complaint I heard was that it was like punching down at middle America and. As someone, they deserve it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, as someone from Middle America with a lot of family in Middle America, I think it was pointed at our coastal and like media, All and of that's us. that's why they didn't like it. That they were actually the punching bag. But I don't know. I don't know. If we want to get get on that tangent. I, from, <laughs> when I say I'm friends with David Sirota, I mean that I talked to him for two minutes one time at a rally. But uh, it was very interesting. He was the screenwriter. He the he was the screenwriter for this movie, and I think the biggest criticism from the environmental community is that it just doesn't address the problem head on, uh, which is kind of the nature of the movie. Uh, but it does a lot of other things really well. I liked it, but I can see why people didn't like it. It's just very in your face. And I guess maybe why people didn't like it is because I guess the satire in a way was like too obvious. Yeah, it was really on the nose. Versus and- something like I think there's been discussion about, okay, what was the last great satire? The death of Stalin was incredible. That was great- and maybe that was a good satire because it was something it's relevant, but there's also some distance form from it. Whereas we right. are all still every day in, you know, grappling with what climate change is going to mean for us. So maybe I guess it was just so we can't make satire about I know. it until we've solved climate change. It, it, I mean, I disagree. We all we all yeah. like it. Did you like it, Roberto? Yeah, and actually, what I thought was interesting was I knew going into it was a satire about climate change, but I think that the fact that we are you know two years into a pandemic really like that is another satire layer in this movie. Like, not only are we not able to do anything about a looming threat of climate change. But we had a real life threat of coronavirus pandemic and people wouldn't do anything about it. So I felt like uh, (laughs) it was actually more biting in a way than I expected. I think Ryan is right in that for me, the most powerful scenes are 
when he is in the movie sto- studio. So it's playing off the idea of like Morning Joe and these cable co-hosts who are just like talking about a topic. And then since it's just like part of the pipeline of things that we talk about, that's just like, oh yeah, this is an issue. And at one point, they're like these main characters, they just explain, like, don't you understand? <laughs> like, this is going to be the end of all of this. Like, why are we just talking about this glibly? Why are we going to a commercial break? Like, holy shit, we are all going to die. <laughs> um, and so maybe people are distracted by the kind of like the Trumpiness of it, of also, which is also part of the plot. But I, it's just good. It's also really glib, though, right? Like, yeah. you get to the end and it's like, well, that's... <laughs> that's that there's not a whole lot we can do about it and i think it's hard to root or even really say that you enjoyed a movie that ends in the way that this movie ends and it's so for me it was the on the noseness of it that was just like it kind of downplays the audience and that it it assumes that they don't understand the satire um which i you know i thought they could have done a better job but i do have good news though nasa and scientists have charted all of the possible comets that could impact earth and that there's nothing currently on our radar at all pretty sure that this is never going to happen so it's just, it's just that, the climate that's change thing. that's going to get us yeah. that's all. <laughs> well good choice uh i say that because that was going to be my choice and now well, i'm left in a i'm sorry tough spot well it's going to be roberto next for his final pick one more shout out and don't look up is that Ron Perlman's performance. Uh, oh yeah, especially when he's like piloting the, the the rocket ship to like deal with the asteroid and just does some crazy stuff. Oh yeah, the and the Armageddon illusions that that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for my final pick, I'm going to go with. I don't know if this will win anything, but I'm going to go with the tragedy of Macbeth. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out. Out we've candle. Life is but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. Full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh, did anyone see this? Yes. Did. Yeah. yeah. This is another one that's available on Apple Plus. So I thought that I, I actually I've never seen Macbeth like the play, so I didn't really know much about it um, in terms of the the Shakespeare of it all. But um, I will say that the performances, especially Denzel Washington's performance, was actually r- really good. Like I was very invested in in his portrayal of Macbeth. Not not my favorite Coen Brothers movie necessarily, but they did have some really interesting vibes in this one as well. Also, I guess it's not technically a Coen Brothers movie, is it? Yeah, just a Coen. Just singular. one. Which yeah. one is it, Ethan or Joel? Uh, probably whichever Ethan. one's married to Francis McDormand, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> Powerhouse just acting showcase because part of the aesthetic and it is very beautiful it's nominated for production design but the production is really about how much isn't there it's very stripped down black and white it's all about francis mcdormand and uh denzel washington and then he is nominated for best actor though uh no one really thinks that he has a chance at it but it's a very solid movie and it's also pretty short i don't know if it's 
also a very short play. Uh, just like you, Berto, I hadn't engaged with Macbeth. It's a very good movie. There also was another um, adaptation of it a few years ago mm. starring Michael Fassbender, which I always meant to watch but never got around to. So I'm it not was, sure. It was an Amazon, or wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure how it compares. I know part of the movie is that it's, well, it's centered on these soldiers and that depending on your adaptation, it, that can be a very big part of it of how much it like leans into the, the war aspect where that really wasn't present here. It was more of just kind of like a, a psychological drama of uh, what these characters are after. But is there anything in particular that you liked about it? I think it was just re-engaging with Macbeth that I liked. I hadn't really thought about Macbeth much since I read it in high school. And of course, then it wasn't to the deepest level of engagement. The one-liners, I mean, it's Shakespeare, so that seems silly to say, but fair is foul and foul is fair. Uh, There's so many good lines in this movie that are so perfectly delivered by Denzel and McDormand. And the performances are really compelling. I also like that it was in black and white. I thought it made it stand out more as an epic yeah, I, I liked it. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I see it picking up any awards, but it does have three nominations. Throw it into that ring of movies that are very well done, executed by some masters. I think you could make this as kind of in the pantheon, very similar to like Licorice Pizza, where it's well done, but probably in the lower tier of these directors. But their kind of base level is just so good that, of course, it still ends up with some uh, Best Picture nominations. Yeah, and I agree with that, especially both the performances, the the Francis McDormand and the Denzel Washington is, you know, they're both so great as actors in everything they do where, you know, they pull it out again here. They're, they do a great job and in, in a way they're kind of overlooked because, you know, they might want to look at somebody new or someone who hasn't won an award yet. Okay, Macbeth, also on Apple Plus along with Coda. And that brings us to our final pick of the draft. Sandra, what do you got for us? Let's let's look at what's left for, for the picking in terms of movies with more than one nomination. We have Parallel Mothers, which I haven't seen. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. Uh, but I don't see that winning either of its two nominations. We have The Worst Person in the World, who which has some hype uh, as an international movie. But I think it'll get beat by some of the other nominees. We have Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, which I really liked, but I don't think it has a shot at uh, Best Actor. And we have my choice, which is being the Ricardos. And turns her around. No, it's me. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, uh. She snaps her fingers and pretends she can't remember his name. Very funny. Ricky kisses her and then notices the table set up. Hey, company for dinner? Uh-huh. Who is it? Lucy elaborately ignores him. How do you like the new water glasses, Ricky? What's coming up for dinner, Lucy? Doesn't the table look beautiful tonight? Lucy, who is it? Some people. <laughs> Lucy! Though I didn't enjoy this movie, it did get, or I guess I did enjoy parts of it, but I didn't thoroughly enjoy this movie. It did get some recognition in terms of acting nominations. It has both of its leads nominated in the Best Actor and Best Actress categories, and it got some awards leading up to the Oscars. So I could see a world where Nicole Kidman gets awarded the um, the Oscar for this movie, and also Javier Bardem. So that's why I'm choosing it. I didn't think it was a great portrayal of Lucy or Desi, 
Uh, I'm much more looking forward to the documentary about their lives. Uh, but it was good performances in a movie that I think a lot of other people liked. So this is the latest from Aaron Sorkin, uh, still directing, and it's a screenplay about Lucille Ball and her partner, uh, Desi Arnaz, where they're going through a tumultuous time um, through some accusations uh, related to uh, communism uh, when they were still filming I Love Lucy. And it does go into some of their history and how they became famous. The major discussion around this movie is more about like should Aaron Sorkin really be directing movies or would it be no (laughs) or should he would it be better if he just stuck to screenplays Uh, because it has those Sorkin hallmarks Mm. of the dialogue which I think is overall very well done and the the acting performances I'd say were fine I wasn't like blown away but I think it the movie is hampered by Aaron Sorkin's direction and he has a certain kind of sentimentality where he just he believes in like institutions, the triumph of good, which I guess I'm just too cynical for now um, <laughs> as well. But it's available on Prime Video. It's worth checking out just for um, all the nominations that it has. I keep forgetting that Nicole Kidman was nominated for this movie. For some reason, I think of Javier Bardem more. But like you mentioned, um, there's a documentary coming out as well, directed by Amy Poehler, which will be more traditional. If you just want to like know the history of them, that might be the better uh, avenue for it. I love Aaron Sorkin. I haven't seen this movie yet, but I've seen everything else he's written, TV and movies, and everything he's directed is worse. It he he just needs to stop directing movies. He only needs to write them. That's just my take. I, it, he, he's not a good director. It's where the sum just doesn't quite add up. I think very much similar to the trial of Chicago seven last year. There's just this climax that just doesn't really fit for me. And that's what it kind of like all comes down to. But some of the individual pieces, because the acting performances, definitely the writing, which is really like fast and quick. I just think like say compared to Don't Look Up, which kind of has a similar style. I much prefer that this year. Yeah, the quippy writing is the highlight. And I think if you like Sorkin, you probably find aspects of this movie at the least that you will like uh, as a whole. It kind of drags. It's also very long. Um, and it doesn't quite have that payoff that other biopics. Can you even consider this a biopic? I don't know. But um, the other biopics have in that it doesn't end where the story ends. It's uh, It kind of stops when they kind of resolve this minor conflict of the communism accusations. But you know, if you know anything about these two people in real life, that there's their story is much more complex and they end up getting divorced. And uh, I would have loved to see a little bit more about that. Overall, I'd say that I don't think it's going to win any awards, uh, but you can never discount Nicole Kidman. I thought it was kind of interesting how, uh, you know, kind of in the Aaron Sorkin way of, I'm going to try and, create parallels here of different things going on. And I'm going to say, or I'm going to try and fit all these things into one very stressful week that these people are going through between communist allegations and issues with the show and issues with their relationship uh, and how they all tie together, where I think obviously it's, it's embellished uh, just for dramatic purposes. Uh, for me, there were moments of quippy dialogue or just like kind of specific things that were funny or interesting that stuck out stuck out to me but overall i wasn't really in love with the movie either 
Okay, well, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering all the nominated movies here. Um, with 20 total, we've covered just under half, uh, but this really, I think, captures all the best movies of the year. Um, so we're just going to go around, repeat our teams uh, one more time, um, and if there's any other honorable mention uh, nominated or otherwise that you want to mention. Okay, uh, I took The Power of the Dog, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Spencer, and Cruella. And uh, honorable mention to Spider-Man No Way Home, who was robbed of a Best Picture nominee. <laughs> Coming in with a hot take. Well, I wonder if it'll get any other um, recognition. I know at the Oscars this year, they're going to try and they're trying to expand the audience, leaning into uh, attracting people who may be interested in other movies like Spider-Man No Way Home which was still nominated. Yeah, got a visual, visual effects. effects. Definitely probably the movie that earned the most out of all nominees this year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it'll get some other recognition. For my picks, I chose Dune, Coda, Encanto, Summer of Soul, and Don't Look Up. And I did already mention, but I just want to repeat it again. I love Wes Anderson, and I think that his movie, The French Dispatch, um, which is now available at HBO Max, uh, should have gotten something. All right, I had West Side Story, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Flea, Nightmare Alley, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. And uh, I was going to say Spider-Man <laughs> as well, because that was definitely the most fun experience I had in a theater last year. And I have to think if I have a backup one here. Uh, a movie I, I did get to see in theaters last year was The Green Knight. Oh um, yeah, a good one. Really, just really interesting take on a, a Arthurian story, but just visually amazing. I had a really fun time watching it. My wife and my roommate didn't like it nearly as much as I did. <laughs> that's that's definitely the deep cut film bro A twenty four hive pick of like how how did this not get nominated for? Oh, this was actually the best movie of the year. Stupid Oscars. <laughs> uh, it, it was a good one. And I chose Belfast, Drive My Car, The Lost Daughter, No Time to Die, and Being the Ricardos. And I have two honorable mentions. The first is all another A24 movie that I really loved called Lamb. It was just impeccable vibes. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, a real weird one if you want to check out a real quirky movie. And the other one was my favorite documentary of the year, which I think should have been nominated, which is The Rescue. Uh, I'm really shocked that that movie didn't get nominated uh, about the rescue of the... The Thai... The Taiwanese cricket team? Soccer team. Soccer team. Obviously, you should watch it again. Uh, but it was a really good documentary about divers and the logistics of such a big endeavor. I yeah, loved it. Yeah, when we saw that, I thought that was going to be like, okay, that, this that's is a the, shoe in. This that's is the, the one, best documentary of win, the year. Yeah, be the one that wins best documentary and then not even be nominated. That was a uh, that was crazy. Well, what Berto reminded me of is that the last stool didn't get any nominations oh. at all either. Well, which is. Yeah, that was a good movie. It's, it's the punchline now, but justice for the last duel. It's terrible. I can't. Ben Affleck's nominated for a Razzie. That is some bullshit. Yeah, that was he a was, good performance. So I like just because of his hair. He yeah. was fine. He was great. Any, any words for uh, House of Gucci? Also has a nomination. Haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't either. Rest in peace, House of Gucci. What a what a flop. Jared Leto for best meatball. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, the Oscars this Sunday, five Pacific, six Mountain, eight Eastern, whatever your time zone. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us, Ryan and Berto. It's good to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. As always, our music is provided by Grant Bennett. We'll catch you next time. Bye.